Welcome to the Independent Minds, a series of conversations between Abbasida and people who think outside the box about how work works, with the aim of creating better workplace experiences for everyone. I'm your host, Michael Millward, the Managing Director of Abbasida. Today, I am joined by David Jacobs, an expert in IT business value maximization and the founder of MaxVal Consultancy. Hello, David. Hello, Michael. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. Please, could we start by you telling us a little bit about what IT business value maximization is and the work that you do? Yes, absolutely. It's been IT business value maximization has been something that industry, IT and business has rather struggled to understand and get to grips with over 30 or 40 years now. And I got involved in this way, way back in the 1980s and 90s. When I started looking at the subject, I got some good results for businesses from IT. And I started writing down what I was doing and realised that it was slightly different from what most other people were doing. And it became a great interest of mine. And since then, for over 30 years, I've been running a research and development program, I think you would call it, into IT business value maximization. And out of that has come a lot of very interesting and exciting results, including something called business value maximization framework. Thank you. The first thing I want to discuss is why are businesses not maximizing the value from their investment in IT? It's a very complicated area, Michael, and it's a new industry. You know, we're still very young. The growth has been exponential because of the way hardware has has rocketed. Uh, It's fantastic. And what we do on the internet now with email, with IT systems is incredible but I think what most people don't realize is how multi-dimensionally complex the whole shooting match is and that includes the whole business side the business processes the way people work the IT functionality the IT technicality that supports the functionality the hardware and it's all put together at an incredibly granular level, which I think a lot of people don't realise. And that, you know, that means that I'm afraid there are so many ways to get it wrong and not very many ways to get it right. (laughs) Hearing you talk about the industry being quite young, it makes me think that I sent my first email in 1993. And yet, There are many people who have never been in a work environment without being able to use email and we take them for granted, but there are still many people like me around who remember a time when email didn't exist, text messages didn't exist, all of these various different things. And we take it all for granted without, as you say, really understanding how to integrate all the various different things together and technology now enables us to integrate so much more. I wonder how many organizations actually do integrate all their various different functionality successfully. That's a, that's a very interesting point. The integration, the dovetailing, the communicating, 
between all the different islands of systems um, is a, has been and is still a real bugbear. I think one of the major challenges that organisations have, and especially, you know, the public sector and the civil service who are trying to provide services for the general public, is getting the systems to talk and communicate with each other, even though uh, the hardware and a lot of the software is is fantastic these days, what we can potentially do. I guess I would go back to what I just said, the complexity of making all that work, the granularity of it, it, it's very detailed. You know, it's a real challenge. Let let me put it to you like this. In the real non-IT world of people talking, communicating, we're very shades of grey, colour, analogy. You and I could decide to do something like bang right this moment, Michael, and we could just do it, yeah. Whereas if you go right over to the other side and go right down into these big humming boxes, it's the complete opposite. As you probably know, computers work at the moment, digital computers work in binary ones and zeros. You don't get much more cut and dried, inflexible, and it takes, I'm talking about individual systems here now, um, let alone getting them all communicating, um, it takes days, weeks, months, or even years to change how a system or systems are working. And when you put those two antithetic worlds together, people, colour, instant, analogue, with computers, you've got a, a real challenge. And I would say that one of the problems we've had is that that the intermediate layers that sit between those two worlds have not been very well understood um, and I'm very pleased to say that a lot of the work we've done on this research and development I've been doing all this time is we've really got into specifying what those intermediate artefacts, languages and focuses are and we can make a big, big difference to the results that, that people can get. One of these things that really sort of frames the problem that you've been trying to solve is I suppose that as a non-IT person, I, I have an expectation of IT that might not always be achievable because of the complexities involved of creating what I think IT should be able to do. Because when I sit at a computer, it all looks very straightforward. There are so many things that I can do, things that I don't know how to do that, that the machine is capable of, that there is a, a chance that as a non-IT person, I am going to think that it can do much more than it actually can. The IT person, on the other hand, has to balance what my expectations are with what is achievable by the technology that we're using, by the budget that we have, by the fr time frame that we have. And we can have a clash, I suppose, as a result between IT and non-IT professionals within any organization of any size, shape, type, anywhere in the world. And that is what leads to the, the problems which blight the way in which IT is delivered into organisations. Yes, that's a great point, Michael. I can give perhaps give several responses to that. This is the proverbial 
gap that needs to be bridged between business and IT that is a phrase that's been knocking around for, goodness me, 30 or 40 years, and one wonders to what extent we've closed it. Um, I think I'm quite proud to say that I think we're at Maxwell uh, with our research have closed it considerably, but it is a great challenge. What we do is we translate across that misunderstanding in both directions and in a multifaceted way. So let, let's come back to your point that business and organisational managers tend to have, be a bit over-expectant about what's possible. Yes, absolutely. I would totally agree. I wouldn't blame them. I never blame anybody in this difficult arena. I just want to try and help people to get good results. Um, when you look at a screen, and of course a modern screen, is it's fantastic. It's so accurate in terms of its definition and it, it looks tremendously capable. Underneath or behind that screen, there are layer upon layer upon layer of logic, software, processes, all going on. I, I talk about a layer cake or a wedding cake, if you like, and it's only, you know, a wedding cake or a layer cake is only as good as every single layer, or a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And I think what business and organisational managers don't see are all those layers and the complexity underneath. And looking at it from the other way round, this is not a criticism of those extremely clever IT developers and designers, but what I've, I've observed is that they're so busy being clever designing software and making it work that they tend not to stand up and explain very well to the business folks what I'm saying now it is so complicated and I think they don't want to say it because it sounds a bit like oh we're not very good you know oh it's so complicated um and and they shouldn't worry about that so when I get involved in in these arenas and I'm doing a, a two-way translation and and sort of refereeing if you like I get into all these things and I say ladies and gentlemen they are doing a great job they are doing a great job, but you need someone like me to referee this and translate in both directions. And this is a lot of, you know, what we've been working on for, for, for a long time. So what you're saying then, I suppose, is that it's the understanding of each perspective in the project is, in, is as important as doing the project itself. Yeah, uh, I think the, the business and organisation side needs to understand how phenomenally complicated and challenging it is. And IT need to understand that it's all about helping the organisation and the business achieve whatever it is trying to achieve. And over many years, I've seen a lot of attitudes which have not been very helpful. It's getting better, you know, but I have seen... Uh, very clever IT people being terribly scathing about their business managers. You know, oh, they don't understand IT. They think we can just knock this up or that up. You know, they keep changing their mind. Well, that's all entirely reasonable. Another thing I've seen, which is kind of connected with this over many years, um, I've done a lot of freelance and consultancy work, so I've been in a lot of organisations, is that 
so many organisations think that their IT department is absolutely terrible. And I feel a bit sad because invariably it isn't. It's just that the business just doesn't get how complicated it is and that, yeah, some of their expectations are pretty, pretty high. And I often find myself saying, uh, you know, to the business side, look, if you don't mind me saying so, your IT department is pretty good compared to the average, I can tell you. And and things often start going quite a bit better um, once we start getting into those kind of, you know, two-way views. So is there not enough benchmarking by organisations to understand the value that their IT departments are, are providing? Value assessment and measurement is a very interesting aspect of this. Values is hard to define and measure. And another thing that's come out of this research and development I've been involved with with, for all these years is we've got some very progressive ways of defining and measuring business value from IT, which I think goes quite a long way further than the rest of uh, you know of what's out there in terms of methods and practices could you explain a couple of the elements of of that model to us the, the first thing we do is we start by defining what is value business value from it well the business has got a set of objectives it's trying to achieve x y and z and if it achieves those objectives that's value if it achieve you know it exceeds those objectives if you like that's even more value, probably. And if it doesn't achieve those objectives, that's negative value, that's loss, if you like. And I don't think that's a particularly obscure place to start. Then as we start kind of coming down the questions that might, one might want to ask and answer, the next thing we go into is, okay, if that's value, how does that arise? How does that get manifested in a business helped by IT environment? And most of the methods and practices that I've ever looked at do not seem to go into this in any very helpful way. So what you're saying then is that you have to look for where, what the value is that the organisation is trying to create and then look at how IT contributes to the achievement of that value, rather than simply saying IT will contribute this value. It's like, look at it a little bit more holistically and say, this is what value looks like. This is the contribution from HR. This is the contribution from IT. This is the contribution from logistics from, and start with value at the top rather than the separate functions of the business. Yes, Michael, you're already getting very good at this. <laughs> what can I say? It's my job. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yes, absolutely. You, you start with the business value. You start with, we want to make so many widgets a week and sell them at this price and have a cost price of blah blah You start with that. You're starting to work into one of my very first important key models, which is what I call the value delivery model, which we present 
to our clients quite early on in the, in the discussions. Listening to you, one of the things that I'm thinking is that when you take value and then as you explained it, you know, this is what we want to do at this price within this time frame. I'm, you know, have to be honest and say, I think there might be some organizations that over invest in IT. They will buy into that and it's, it's too fancy for what they actually need. So if they are buying something that's very expensive, which is not suitable for the job, they're never actually going to see what they've purchased as value or value adding because it's more than they actually needed. Thank you. This is an opportunity for for me to use one of my favourite analogies. So let's go with this because I think this speaks a lot and you've raised this. Think of IT systems like a set of golf clubs, if you will. In a competition, you can have 14 clubs in the bag. But that's that's it. That's not particularly relevant. Think of IT systems as a set, as a set of golf clubs. Yeah. Do those golf clubs are they the primary determinant of success? I.e., the golfer winning the match or the tournament? No, is the answer to that. They're not. Are they part of the equation? Oh yeah, absolutely. If they're a good set of clubs, then the golfer's going to be helped. If there are a bad set of clubs, the golf is going to be hindered. But the primary leading determinant is how good is the golfer at playing golf, at selecting the right club, swinging it properly, assessing the competition and all the strategy. And that analogy has been used quite a bit Um in my work in the last few years and when people start thinking about it like that let's take this a a tad further and uh, right on to your point say you've got an average golfer okay or you've got quite a good golfer will buying a five thousand pound set of super duper incredible clubs you know how much difference will that make a little do you see what i'm saying Appropriate clubs for an appropriate player. That's yes. what you want. Yes. yes. Yeah. I think it's, an, it's also very important to have the right type of covers on your woods. <laughs> yeah, you've, got to, have the, you've right. got to have the right covers on your clubs. But I take what you mean is like you can spend an awful lot of money. You can have all of the gear but no idea. And yet you can also, if you have the right type of clubs and, you know, the type of clubs and golf clubs, they have to be designed to fit your height, your weight, and all those sorts of things. They yeah. become an extension yeah. of your body. You're on it. it means that they become the right clubs for you, regardless yeah. of how much money that you have spent. You have to be able yeah. to achieve that ideal pose yeah. before yeah. you get ready to yeah. so like swing and hit the ball and still be able to have the ideal pose at the end which is the way in which the ball is going to go yeah. and the speed and the angle that it's going to fly at. You need to have, I sound like a golfer, don't I, David? But I've never really been that good at it. But you have Normally. to, yeah, you, no one is. You have to have the right type, the right size of club, the right, uh, and, and actually work out which club is going to be the right club to yeah. use for the distance yeah. of shot that yeah. you need to make given yeah. the wind conditions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And also where the ball is lying, you need to make sure that you've got exactly everything right. And um, from what 
you're saying is that part of the issue when it comes to IT projects is that people overcomplicate them. They will buy into something that is more than they actually need. And that automatically means that just having the expensive does not necessarily mean that it is the ideal thing for what you need to do inside your organization to create value and do that in a way which will enable each function, including IT, which flows across all functions of the business, but you've got to get that right. If you, you can be an analog organization, but once you get into digital and IT, you've got to make sure that it is the right type of IT for your business so that you can be more confident that it is going to add value. And that comes from working out like with your golf club analogy, what is going to be the right club in this situation to ensure we get the best shot. And that doesn't necessarily mean buying expensive clubs is having the right clubs. Yeah, no, 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 that's absolutely right, Michael. Um, I think your golf is going to improve quite a bit and possibly so is mine. Maybe the, 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 I could add lots of points here, but one I would like to add is that no one size fits all so yes the appropriate set of clubs the appropriate it system for your business for your department for the way your managers want to work is so important it's not about you know it does all cost money of course and you want the best results for the least money but it's there's no point in buying a very, very expensive set of clubs for an average golfer. It's just a waste of money. Yes, um, nobody can see me, but I'm smiling because I was also around at that time and understand exactly what it is that you mean. But the key thing is to make sure that the IT system that you have, that you introduce, is fit for purpose and that you don't end up being an organization that has all the gear but no idea. If we pick up this point that we both got onto here, for example, there's bendy shafts and stiff shaft. I think it's that the pros prefer the stiff ones because they've got the skill to really utilize them, whereas the you know more amateur golfers need the bendiness because it gives them more distance, but then there's a kind of balance there the golfers who are listening to this will correct us on this but the point is it's about getting exactly what's right for you at your level with what you're trying to do not so much buying what looks shiny uh, and there's there's been a huge amount of that i i went through the 80s and 90s in my early it career companies were wheeling in it systems it was the thing to do they thought it's going to be the the end of our problems and you know what i'm sorry to tell you it was the start of their new problems because they just didn't understand what they were taking on i think what we have done today david is scratch the surface of this particular area so i hope that we can reconvene and explore this in more detail another time. But for today, I'd just like to say thank you very much. It's been very interesting. Really learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you very much, Michael. I'd be absolutely delighted to continue this conversation in whatever direction you and your listeners would like to go in. There's an awful lot more we could cover. Thank you. Certainly is. Thank you very much. And thank you to you for listening to The Independent Minds. 
I am Michael Millward, the Managing Director of Abbasida, and I have been having a conversation with the independent mind, David Jacobs, an expert in IT business value maximization and the founder of MaxVal Consultancy. You can find out more about both of us at the abbasida.co.uk website. There is a link in the description. If you have liked this edition of The Independent Minds, please give it a like, download it so that you can listen even when you're not connected, and to make sure that you don't miss out on future editions, please subscribe. Remember, the aim of all the podcasts produced by Abbasida is not to tell you what to think, but we do hope to make you think. Thank you.